0: Welcome to Disruptors, the podcast for bright sparks fueled by great ideas that have changed the world. In each episode, we chat with some of the most innovative disruptors from our community at the King's Entrepreneurship Institute. We discover how they've used their entrepreneurial skills to develop their ideas for their business ventures, tested those ideas and compelled others to do the same. Welcome to another episode of Disruptors. My name is Rachel Stocky. I am head of entrepreneurial skills at the Entrepreneurship Institute, which is the dedicated hub of ideas and innovation at King's. And today for episode two, I am here with Theo Ohini, who is our growth expert in residence and founder and CEO of Skyamo. So hi, Theo. So I've just rattled off your very cool titles, but do you want to tell the lovely people listening who you are and what you're about?
1: Sure thing. Yeah. So um, I'm the founder of Skymo, which is a growth marketing consultancy. Basically, work with startups, scale ups, and help them to find different ways that they can then grow. Um, and I also will teach them the principles of growth marketing. So this is via so online workshops, in person workshops when we can do them, uh, and and some like courses and materials that um, that I have.
0: How did you start? In that area did you was it something that you did at uni or like how did you get into that area
1: yeah so i actually did something completely unrelated to to anything marketing related I, I studied history and sociology so i actually went to goldsmiths i studied history and sociology and then i was actually looking at doing law for a year so i did law i did a conversion course and that was actually at the point probably a bit late in the day when I realised that I didn't really want to be a lawyer. When I did some internships, I started to, uh, um, I was working at a, a law firm for a while and it just definitely wasn't for me. It was, yeah, it wasn't as exciting as I would like my my everyday um, job to be. So I was actually in that and then I had an idea for an app. So I wanted to work on an app which was, was going to connect various people like if you were there to do with fitness and you were running it would connect you with someone that also was doing uh, fitness and I started to look into startups and what it actually meant and and what I would need to then start to build it and when I was starting to discover actually there's this whole world of tech I started to learn how to to code very very badly but I started to learn how to code and I was just really interested and I was probably more interested uh, than I was actually at university, right? So maybe I picked I picked the wrong the wrong subject, and yeah, I started to learn how to code. I was learning via different resources that they they started to provide. Harvard were providing courses. Um, I think Stanford were providing courses. So I started to just look through a lot of these, and over like testing different things, trying different things. I eventually started to make web websites and web apps because like the real coding, you know, that was a bit too hard for me. I would say it was a bit too difficult. I wasn't ever gonna go in that route. So I started to uh, make websites and then I wanted to work at a startup. So I wanted to get involved at a startup so then I could you know, potentially build my app in the long run but I also wanted to see what a startup was like. So I ended up working a couple of days a week where I was interning and I was working with the actual company It was was a startup for the other three days. And yeah, that was my first foray into startups. It was an interior design startup. So you could take a picture of your home and then you could then find all of these products from around the world and you could put it into your home and place it into your home. So the technology is there now. I I, I was buying a TV the other day and Curry's, I took a picture of my home and then I was able to put it up. So the technology is there, but it was quite innovative at the time. And so that was my kind of first foray into startups and then I ended up working with a, a number of other startups before I then founded my own um my own company
0: cool I ain't never knew that's what you
1: studied I yeah so I I, yeah <laughs> it was it was very left field like history sociology that was what I was into but I guess it was around people right I like I like people I like learning about people what they had done and so when I was actually getting into entrepreneurship really what what was interesting to me was the journeys of people who had come before so I would read autobiographies or biographies of people and that was quite um, that was if, if there's anything related it was that that was related you know
0: yeah you, you were saying like you started with coding but then didn't go into the deep up depths of coding is that how you kind of found growth as a way of getting around not having to code is that what how that kind of played
1: out for you yeah to to some extent so i wanted to work at a startup and i realized that the only jobs that they had in startups were engineers so i wanted to work at a seed stage startup. i didn't want a really big one i wanted to be on the ground as the company was taking off and so when i was in the uh, in the first internship i didn't really have any knowledge i could get away it was starting off as social media executive so that was like the only way i could get in via an internship but the real jobs you had to have some kind of coding knowledge I basically started to learn more and more whilst I was in that role and I found it was relevant. So if I was ever sending out an email, I could actually code up the email. What developed was that I realized that in a startup to be really valuable and work with a lot of the engineers, it's important to know some of these skills. So I just carried on learning and learning more of these skills. And then what actually came about was almost a new title and a new role of growth hacker or growth marketing it came about right and so it was someone who had the skills of a marketer but also knew how to build as well so it was almost like a hybrid of the things that I was doing the marketing and also the the coding skills where I didn't have to be a super developer but I just needed to know enough to make a a quick script or to build a quick landing page and so that put me into a into a different position because i did have a wide range of skills and the, the the craze of growth hacking kind of came about where you needed to have these skills and you could apply it to a startup so it was just good timing in in, in that way you know you
0: you've mentioned it first the, the title growth hacker can you explain to people that might not have come across that terminology before what we mean by the area of growth in startups why does it exist and your thoughts on the function of that within an early stage startup
1: when we think about marketing traditionally, we think about people, you know, someone may do an advert and someone comes to the website and, you know, they buy the product. And that's all we think about when we think about marketing. But with a startup, as I was mentioning, you need to have, uh, you're, you're basically building a product, right? So you need to market, not just someone coming and using the product for the first time, but you need to market the user experience. You need to take them through the whole entire journey of, you know, someone coming to the website, Becoming aware of it, considering actually wanting to purchase or use the product and then going to buy it. But then you also need to think about maybe someone referring or them coming back to use the product. And if you do not have technical skills, you don't think in a technical way, just a very basic technical way, you won't be thinking about like the what I call the deeper part of the funnel. And so growth hacking and growth marketing can be applied to startups where startups need to grow very very quickly they need people that understand the full funnel and not just people who can get someone to the website and what it meant was that because it was like hacking and you had to have some kind of technical skills it got this cool title of hacker right and because they were trying to be like the developers who were the cool people who could actually hack right so it was a bit of a buzzword right in a sense that when we do think about growth, we're not just thinking about you know a quick hack, we are actually thinking about longer term sustainable growth. In, in your search for sustainable growth and the systems that you may have, you may come about finding an opportunity. And that in a sense is a hack. So you may find a way to get someone to refer lots and lots of their friends. And that may be considered to be a hack, but you kind of came about it through a systematic way. And so I have growth marketing, which is just a way that companies and startups will grow very quickly using a certain type of marketing which is full funnel then you have traditional marketing which is just you know someone coming to the website and then what you have is maybe growth hacking which is using technical skills to help a company grow really fast but it's only on maybe a small isolated not incident but a small area right so it's not the full the full company it's not the, the full system of growth so i hope that i've explained that properly but Growth hacking is hacking a small part of the system, whereas actually growth marketing, I would say, is hacking the whole system, you know? And, and that's what you need at a startup. You need to be able to hack the whole entire system um, and just do good marketing.
0: Gotcha. So where does this start? Because I, th- I find with a lot of startups that we work with, they don't think that marketing is a priority from day one because they're thinking, I've got to build a product, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And marketing is like a, a nice-to-have budget that's kind of separate we you know social media is free so we can kind of wing that and it will be fine where do the principles of growth marketing start for someone who has an idea but hasn't done anything yet
1: sure so I think the principle of growth um, marketing is around the mindset so the mindset being is that when you think about your product you want to think about a, a great experience for your user or your customer And so you should be thinking as a, you know, the founder or a marketer is that I want to create a good experience at every single stage of the the funnel, right? So when they first come in, I want to give them a good experience. When they use the product for the first time, that needs to be a really good experience. In order for them to come back, they need to have had a good experience. Um, And for them to refer a friend, they need to have a good experience. So you need to be thinking about the the entire journey, right? And if you think about the entire journey, then you've got the right mindset and you've got to think at each point, where can I improve this journey? So you break down that system. So that's the mindset. And it's also a mindset of experimentation. So you need to be thinking that everything is a test, right? You need to be able to try things to see what works and what doesn't work. And so if you get into the mindset of constantly testing, looking at the data to understand whether something has gone in the right direction or the wrong direction, then that will put you in really good stead, right? Because you're thinking in the right way, you're um, testing things, you're seeing what works and then you're improving based on the data that comes back. So for anyone that's starting out, what I would say is, is to, to take the experimentation mindset from day one, which is I'm going to try this. I'm going to see how it works. I'm not fixed to anything. And I'm gonna take a bit of a systematic approach to doing it so that I know that I tried this, that didn't work, but I tried a variation of that and it did actually work. So um, you have to just keep testing, keep trying things. And that's how you can really find growth, right? So you have to take on the mindset and then you'll be able to apply it to your your business. And that should be for everyone in the team. They should be thinking about how to grow and how to keep uh, improving things within the product or the company.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. I think we spend a lot of our time telling people that come to us with an idea that one, they shouldn't have to spend pretty much any money at the at least at the very start for quite a long time, and to to not be too quick in trying to build something that's like super flashy. Um, how do you go about applying those principles of experimentation? So someone somebody's got an idea but they've done absolutely nothing yet. They've not even spoken to anyone about it. What are the first practical steps that you would encourage them to take?
1: Okay, sure. So what I would do is I would like write down all of the assumptions that they have. So I would just say, what are the assumptions that I have about who my audience is going to be? How much my product is going to cost? Why people are going to like it? And I'll just write down all of those assumptions. And then what I would do is I would just try to speak to some people to, to whether prove or disprove whether my assumptions were true, right? And I would rank the assumptions based on importance. So I'd say, okay, if my target audience is women, let's say, that's the assumption I have. So it means that I'm gonna rank that as number one because it may mean that the messaging is completely different or the product is completely different. So I'm then gonna go and speak to some people in that audience to be able to understand what they what they have done before, right, what they will, uh, what they've done before, what their experiences are. And I always cite this book, it's the mum test. And so it asks you how to ask the right type of questions, right? So you, rather than asking hypothetical questions about whether you may like this product, you ask questions about what they may have done previously related to this product. So how much time did you spend doing this or how much did you pay doing that? Um, How frustrating is this, right? And that would be related to, let's say, my idea. And then I'll just go and try and get feedback. So the first thing I would do is just speak to as many people as I can. And I don't even have to talk to them about what my solution is or my idea is. I just have to, you know, speak to them, understand what they're doing. And then I can then prove or disprove any assumptions that I've got at the beginning. So that's the first thing I always do when I'm working on a new venture, or a new idea, to rank the assumption, write down the assumptions, rank them and then speak to the people related to those assumptions.
0: I think we've got a lot of people at that stage with Idea Factory and I know you help us out on Idea Factory and help our people to understand how they go about validating their ideas and how to prove and disprove their assumptions. We always get people coming in in as solo founders saying, do I need to f- concentrate on building a team first? And I'm interested in your thoughts on Teams because you've worked with a lot of startups and we, there's lots of evidence that kind of shows teams Team is the number one thing that will break a startup. If the team's not right, they won't get investment or they'll have arguments or whatever it might be. Where do you think the connection between having the right idea, having the right team, having the right strategy plays together? Do you think one's more important
1: than the other? I think that having a team is vital for the sense that you cannot do everything and i may even contradict myself on what i'm going to say here but like you can't do everything right so you need to be able to have people who um you know match with your capabilities right but that's at a stage when you really know what it is that you're looking to do right so when you actually can say i know what it is i need so i'm going to go and get that person so they can complement my skills that's when you need a team but before then, you need to just be a person of action, and you just need to go out and do it. And I always just veer towards action because that's where you get your learnings. So if I've got all of these assumptions around my business and who I even need in my team, then I need to go out and prove those. Because when I then need to pitch my idea to someone to get involved in my team, I need to come with you know concrete evidence or um, data or just something that prove that that's going to make them not work on their idea to work on my idea so when you're first starting out and you've got an idea it's just about going and doing right speak to people uh learn what it is they're they're thinking and then if you need to start building yourself you build yourself right on a very basic way so you don't spend too much time building you will speak to people but you may create what we call like a a basic version and just try and get that out into the world now you don't necessarily need to be able to code to be able to create the basic version so Kind of going back to my background, um, when I first started out, I didn't have much experience. So I did learn about some of these no code tools or some of the ways which you can build something without necessarily being an engineer. So my advice to anyone is to start try and get a, a minimum version out or a basic version out using some of the tools that are around. It doesn't have to be the final version. It can, on many cases, just be a spreadsheet and you can then start to connect with people and start to connect the dots. And once you then are in a good place, you've got people that want to use your product or you've got some reason to think that your idea is good. You've had some validation and you say, all right, well, I need an engineer to build me this part of my product. I've been able to do 70% myself or 60% myself. That's when you need to go and get a team or that's when you need to go out and get more people to then complement your skills. But before then, you're asking someone to stop what they are doing to try and get involved in what you're doing and they're less likely to do that unless you've got some kind of evidence or something to show them that your idea is better than theirs, you know? And most people, unfortunately, aren't people of action. So everyone's got an idea. Lots of people have got an idea, which is great. But the things that really separates the people that have just got ideas and the people that are running successful businesses are the people with successful businesses took the action. They had the, uh, they were brave enough to go out and actually start to make things happen and not worry about some of the the less important things. So, I would suggest to anyone to just get started wherever you are to get started, find the tool that's going to work best for you and just to try and make it happen. And then you'll be in a much better position to recruit and get a team because you know exactly what it is that you need for your team to be great.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So you, you've worked with loads of startups now. I mean, you've worked with multiple of our cohorts just on our accelerator, let alone the companies that you've worked with, with Skymo. Do you think, or have you found any kind of, secret source to the ones that end up doing really well do you see any trends across that
1: I would say that I do and the ones that do perform the best I would say are the ones that are customer centric so the point is is as much as entrepreneurs and founders they want to make out like they really know what we're, we're doing we don't know what we're doing we don't have a clue there's no blueprint of exactly how to get success and to become A billion dollar business. There's nothing there. So if you are customer centric and you speak to your customers and you you respond to customer service messages or you help them when they are first using the product, that's going to help you to get insight from the people who are in your niche and are going to be using your product longer term. So the companies that are willing to do that generally do better. The companies that are willing to um, confront data are also willing to do that. And I don't mean that you need to have lots and lots of data and spreadsheets everywhere and graphs all over the place. No, you just need to have a grasp on what is it I need to do. So if I have, you know, I'm selling a product and my goal is to make sales, how many sales did I make this week? Right. And why did I do better this week than last week? Right. What was the, the, what did I do to get me sales this week versus last week? Right. And so you need to look at that and think, okay, well, I tried this. So you need to be diligent around, what you are doing and the data, right, to help it go in the right direction. So those are really in important things. Yeah, being customer centric, confronting your data, and being willing to try different things. So taking on the experimental mindset, right? Because it is really hard to go from, you know, being a really small startup with just a couple of people in a in a room, let's say, or over Zoom wherever you may be, to then go and be a bigger company than say you know nike or coca-cola right and that's really what you're trying to do when you're a startup you're trying to go from you know really small company to competing with a facebook or oh, a facebook example like right? competing with a big company right and so you need to uh, you need to be able to try the different things see if it works and then if it does work you do more of it if it doesn't work you do you do less of it but you learn So the people that are willing to learn the most, they're the ones that are speaking to their customers, looking at the data and they're trying things. And it's all about rapid learning, really. If you take that on, then I think that you'll be in uh, a better position to then get success. So, yeah, those are some of the main things I see with the companies that really push themselves further.
0: I think what you were saying about being customer centric, like I've heard you. Uh, talking a lot of workshops around the importance of empathy and empathy being at the heart of when you're trying to figure out whether you've whether you're onto something or not that starting by putting yourself in your customer's shoes will not do you any harm let's say that and it'll do you a whole world of good and I think that comes from kind of design thinking but what how how would you explain the role of empathy at the very early stage for somebody that's got an idea
1: Okay, great. Well, what I would say is that there's a lot of founders who don't display empathy, because what we, we look at is someone like Steve Jobs, whilst he was a really great entrepreneur, in some ways, he didn't really lack empathy, especially how we treated his staff, right? That's what you hear that the story is about him not treating his staff with empathy. What, what, what happened with a lot of founders is that founders saw that Steve Jobs would say to people, we don't ask people what they want. We um, create what people want right so a lot of founders took that on and said i don't need to move with empathy i can just create for people and they'll just want what it is i want and that's actually a flawed way of doing things you need to be able to know what it is people want to be able to create something that they need the point is is products are made around problems and you're solving a problem for someone and it's for a particular narrow set of people so if you don't empathize with the problem that they are suffering or why they suffer from that problem, why it affects their day, then you're not going to be able to create a great product experience for them or create a great service for them. So it's just really fundamental that you, you think about what it is people want to be able to make what it is people want, because that's effectively what a great product is. It's just making something that solves a problem and then makes people happy as a result. So if you're not thinking about their emotions or how, they are then you will never be able to get them really happy.
0: Makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm curious about your role as an expert in residence with us at King's and what made you decide to want to work with us. We've got an accelerator that you advise for, you help out on a load of our other programs with people that have, literally have ideas but haven't done anything yet. How did that come about and why did you decide to say yes to working with us at King's?
1: Good question. So actually it came out at um, a fortunate time for me because it was actually when I was first starting out Skymer. So I was just going to be starting in the next two months, like fully incorporated. I'd already managed to get a couple of clients. And then um, I w- someone that I was connected with that actually went through Kings 20, I think in the first year, it was a hacker job, right? So hacker job went through in the first um, year and they um, I'm connected with the founder, recommended me. And then it just felt like the right thing to do at the time where there's lots of ideas, there's lots of people who are trying to push, trying to um, trying to improve. And it just felt like the right environment for me to be at, at that point, right? Um, I want to be around the energy of great ideas, especially at university, where I think you, you, you're around people who are really hungry, they're dying to do great things, You get to see them all the time or, you know, at least connect with them all the time. So that energy, I almost wish that I had when I was first getting into entrepreneurship, which was I was at university and didn't really have any ideas or wasn't really thinking about entrepreneurship per se. And then I came out of university and I wanted to get back into that environment of being around all these really intelligent people that are trying to do big things and have the time to some extent and the people in the network to start working on them. So I was looking at these Stanford courses and these Harvard courses, I was like, I I wish I was back there, right? Because that's where you can potentially meet your co-founder or someone can say to you, this is a great idea and you can start getting onto it. So yeah, it just felt like the right thing to then get back into that environment and to meet people who are either at university or finished university and are, um, you know, further along in their lives, but still have that energy of learning, i wanting to improve that's something that I can always get down with so it just was like a, a, a perfect match and of course at a university my goal was was always to be able to teach people about entrepreneurship or about marketing and so in an academic institution people are learning and you know are used to training they're used to that kind of philosophy so that worked well for me It just sat in with my ethics sat in with what I wanted to do and it meant that if I work with a lot of founders, I'm helping them to become better marketers or better uh, entrepreneurs or help them to reach their goals. So yeah, it was perfect.
0: Do you see a difference for the founders that get to be part of a cohort or a community compared to the ones that don't have access to something like that?
1: You need to have some kind of community. So yes, right. There is somewhat of a difference, right? You need to be able to have, regardless of if you go for an accelerator or not, you need to have some community to be able to bounce ideas off or to say, I'm doing this. What do you think about that, right? And so an accelerator allows you to be with people who are in exactly the same stage as you and have got the same kind of outcomes, right? So I think you end up by going through an accelerator, ticking off certain parts of your almost like entrepreneurial journey. So you would say, I know what it's like to do marketing or to speak to customers or what sales is or, you know, um, what customer development. So you go through like um, stages of things which you need to do at some point as a founder. And when you don't necessarily have that network, you're not necessarily part of an accelerator. You still have to go through those steps, but it may not just be given to you so you may end up going like up and down up and down up and down when you could have gone straight through right if you're in an accelerator so the people that are also with you can help you to go straight through whereas when you're doing it by yourself sometimes you have to go up and down so i would just say with an accelerator with a community you've got people that can help you to get to where you want to get to faster whereas um you know without necessarily that community or doing it by yourself you have to figure a lot more things out and that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing in some ways because you don't move as as quickly as you would do. But yeah, I would say ultimately you need to have community.
0: I think that's one of the things that we try and encourage a lot of the Entrepreneurship Institute is connection between people. Obviously, this year has made it a little bit harder, um, but I think we see that all the time with founders having random conversations together that they didn't realise they had things in common and it and it really – helps move everybody forward with that. Like you say, it's an energy that's kind of infectious, which I love as well. I have two final questions for you. One is what happened to your app idea?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, my app idea, it didn't, it it just didn't, like I couldn't I couldn't build it. And actually what I realized was that there was so much more that I wanted to do rather than just work on. And I didn't want to work on a product which wouldn't necessarily Get anywhere because I didn't have all the skills right and that's where I thought it would have got it would have been me being a part of something that didn't actually get anywhere because I didn't have the skills and I wasn't as excited about it I just was you know had this idea um, so yeah I wanted to be a part of something that could help me to get more growth I would say as a person and in my career then I did just to have um, an app that might have done okay but then actually what I discovered was that were, there were people that were working I was actually at a conference in Las Vegas and someone had actually built together the idea and um, they were just way further along than me. It was just such a better product than me. They had thought about it way more than me. And I thought, you know what? I made the right decision not doing it because uh, I wasn't as into it. I wouldn't have got to that level. So yeah, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. But I'm actually glad I didn't take it anywhere because it meant that I had to learn all the various things that I needed to learn. And I, I ended up going on a different kind of journey, which I'm, I'm way happier about than if I had maybe stayed on working on that
0: cool we'll let we'll let you off it's it's cool to know that somebody else is building something similar though across the other side of the world
1: yeah and they they were actually it was like a a Swedish company that was working on it in Las Vegas and they were doing it really well and ultimately whether a a startup is a success or a failure um the main thing is the journey right it is the learning that you've got I've worked with you know personally I've been part of a few companies that have failed right but I wouldn't actually have classed them as a failure because of what we may have achieved or the journey that we've gone on to. And it's, you know, we know that say 90% of startups fail or business ideas fail. So for me, it's more just about the journey and what you do learn over that period in order to get the growth that you need to be a, a top entrepreneur, top founder, or have success later on, right? It's not the first time it's when you actually get that success, you know?
0: I totally agree. It's one of my favorite quotes and I can never remember who it's from. I think it was a professional boxer who used to say, I never fail, I either win or I learn something.
1: Exactly, exactly. I'm
0: on that train. My final question for you is we're having this conversation as people are starting to think about the ideas that they're going to submit for our Idea Factory competition this year. So our really early stage business idea competition. A lot of those people are in their kind of market research, validation, assumption, testing phase. What words of wisdom would you give to those people that are right at the beginning of their journey?
1: I would say to them to, to go out and to speak to as many people as you need to to get started, right? Because it's more, and that's more important than your, your logos, more important than your, um, your business cards, all of this stuff, which is nice. I would say, you know, write down the assumptions and literally go and speak to five people. And you could do that today. So if you're working on an idea to do with fitness, let's say, you know, we all know five people that are in fitness. So go and have a conversation with them. All right, tell me how many times you go to the gym. Why do you like the gym? Why do you dislike the gym? Well, what kind of exercise are you doing? Ask those kind of questions and then start to get that information back because that information there is, that's going to get you to the next level. That's going to help you to know what you need to put into your product. That's going to help you to know what you need to do. And it's simply going to separate you from all of those other uh, people who want to be entrepreneurs, want to be founders, who are just building a logo for six months, Right those kind of people. You don't want to be the person building a logo for six months. You want to be the person that has gone and spoken to 10 or 15 people within your particular area. And five of them came and said, all right, I'll buy your product when it's ready. And so you can even get customers before you even like built your product, Right. And for me, that's way more impressive because that feels like you did the lazy way to get all of your customers. You didn't have to build a logo. You didn't have to do all of the stuff that everyone else does to get your early customers. You simply just went and spoke to people. And actually that's when I first started out my business. I was able to validate it by going and getting a couple of clients before I was fully doing what I was, you know, before I went full-time on it. Right. That made me think, okay, I didn't even have a business card and I was able to get business for my, uh, for what I was doing. So for me, that's like the best way of doing it. You manage to get customers, manage to get people using your stuff or wanting your stuff without you know. So yeah, I would just tell people to go out, try and speak to as many people as you can, try and get them uh, excited about what it is you're doing, because that's really going to be the key to success. Customers, people that want it, yeah, that would be the the advice to just to just get get going.
0: Very wise words indeed. I think that's our absolutely what we um try and get people to do the scary things first. Talking to people after people get really hung up on I, what if someone steals my idea or you know what if nobody likes it but it's a scary thing and i think if you can set that to one side and I, as you say take on that experimental mindset of like i'm going to see whether I am onto something here and just have the conversations and work it out it will at least be a learning experience
1: it will be great yeah and and actually when i think about the idea that i said i was working on right the point being is that i had that idea someone on the other side of the world had the same idea Um, but really the difference between me not having it and you know her having it was she pursued it right she went and was a person of action and went out and did it and for other reasons I didn't right Um, I didn't go out and pursue I didn't go and do it which I'm happy with but at the same time I could have you know I could have taken it forward so I always think being a person that's just willing to to make things happen that's where you're going to get your rewards so I would say try and just make things happen as soon as possible
0: cool you've heard it everybody take action (laughs) so i think that's us for today so thank you so much theo for giving us your time today and imparting all of your amazing words because i think it's going to be really important for anyone that's at the early stages of their idea and their journey so thank you very much really appreciated and uh we'll speak to you all soon with somebody else from our community that is another disruptor
1: thanks a lot was a pleasure
0: Find out more about the Entrepreneurship Institute, visit www.kcl.ac.uk forward slash entrepreneurship.